Blog Talk Radio. If it's smooth jazz, then the Jazz Queen is talking about it on Talking Smooth Jazz. Your place for all things smooth. Artist Nicholas Cole. Vincent Ingala. Jonathan Fritzen. And news with the smoothest show on the internet radio, your host, the Jazz Queen. Smooth Jazz. My name is Terry, a.k.a. The Jazz Queen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Mike, how are you? Doing great today, Terry. It's still a little cold outside, but I'm doing better than yesterday. So. <laughs> well, I have to say I didn't expect you to call in because I know you're, you know, engrossed in the football game to see who's going to the yes. Super Bowl. So. <laughs> yes, it's AFC NFC Championship weekend, so definitely uh, football fans, uh, uh, every football fan is watching this right now, so definitely they are. And I do not watch football, but I think I'm going to watch the second game with Seattle and the 49ers. Go Seahawks. Okay. <laughs> I want to welcome those in the chat room. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Joe from Germany, Cornelia, and all of the guests, if you would like to join us in the chat room, please go to TalkingSmoothJazz.com and click on Rustlin Sirota's picture that will bring you into the chat room. The phone number is 646-716-5485. A member of the Stanley Clark Band, pianist Rustlin Sirota, is originally from the Ukraine. He has released his self-titled debut CD featuring Stanley Clark, Chick Corea, and the late George Duke. Rustlin, welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Thank you for having me. Okay. Now, um, I have to ask you about George Duke. How did yeah. you meet him, and where were you when you heard of his passing? Oh, man. Uh, I met George, I think, some years ago when I first moved to L.A. Um, he, actually, he actually actually lived up the street from me in Hollywood. And I think mm-hmm. someone invited me over, or I, either Stanley or, or, or Mike, Ronald or one of our mutual friends invited me over to his house and he had a great, great studio over there and he used to make music all the time and I went and I met him and I was really nervous because you know I've listened to his music since I was a little kid and if, you know if, if for those that met George Duke they know that you know he was just like you know was a master of music and really influential and you know such an important figure in our culture but he was yes. really just like an everyday man he was just a really regular guy he would just he would be home and he would make you coffee. He had this great <laughs> coffee machine, cappuccino machine that he used to <laughs> pride himself for. And he was like, hey, man, want some coffee? <laughs> like, that's uh-huh. And we kind of hit it off. And, and you, know, he, you know, I was trying to kind of keep my cool and not, mm-hmm. you know, tell them, like, um, yeah, I'm, you're my hero and I listen to you my whole life. But eventually, of course, I did tell him all those things. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just a, he was just a you know regular regular guy on the outside, just a musical genius on the on the inside. You know? And where oh. was I when I was passing? Uh, where mm-hmm. was I? I was on tour somewhere. Gosh, I don't remember. So I was I was playing a concert. I was somewhere I think in the U.S. and I uh, had to change plans and uh, 
take a flight back for his memorial service and be in Los Angeles literally for like eight hours just for that. And I think the entire music industry flew in for like seven, eight hours just, you know, to give him his last honor. But it was, yeah, it was really devastating news. Yes, and we've lost so many, you know, since him. Uh, drummer Ricky Lawson and just just last week, yeah. uh, Ronnie Jordan. So it just I seems know. to what be is, this year. This year is, is just really challenging for us musicians. All the greats are checking out. This has been a really tough year, and that maybe you know they're all kind of the same generation. So that kind of to be expected, more or less. But still, it's never never pleasant and. We're yeah. all, you know, devastated. The whole community is, you know, just like one after another. So, you know, that, you know what that means. That means yeah. we have to, you know, buckle up and make some good music because that's it. You know, if those guys are not with us anymore, we have to keep, you know, those music fires burning bright and keep some more, make some more great music. How I see it. Oh, gosh. All right. Um, again, uh, thank you to those in the chat room. Um, Cornelia just posted, uh, hi there, I am, I'm in Europe, so I won't be able to call in, but I'd like to greet Russell and send him my best regards from France. Hope to see him soon. Thank you, Cornelia. Oh, oh wow. Thanks so much. That's awesome. All the way in France, huh? Yes, yes. That's awesome. All right. Okay, Very so cool. now... Um, as I mentioned, you released your first self-titled CD debut called Rustlin', featuring Stanley mm-hmm. Clark, Chick Corea, and George Duke. Let's talk about this and tell me, um, as a pianist for <coughs> Stanley Clark, why did you want to release mm-hmm. your own CD? Well, you know, what happens is, is this is such a, uh, in this so big line of work, even playing for Stanley or, you know, as a jazz musician, you get paid to be creative. You get, you make your, you, you earn your keep by bringing something interesting and creative to the table. So you constantly have to tap into that, those faculties in yourself. You constantly have to stay creative and stay curious and discover new music and discover new music inside yourself. And that process eventually leads, you know, many of us to, you know, solo work, to solo releases, solo CDs, solo music, original uh, music. So it's really easy. The line is really thin. When you're a jazz musician playing for someone, you're still being, you know, hired to be creative and to create original stuff all the time. So from there, you know, it's it's, it's a step away from it. Well, I think I'm going to make, you know, some original uh, music myself. And it happens, I think, to most musicians that are in this field. Eventually, they reach a stage where they say, I have something to say. I have, I think I have something valuable to contribute, and I think I'm going to do that. So that's mm. pretty much what, what happened to me. And I was also very, <clears throat> very, sorry, encouraged by all these people, by all the musicians that were nice enough, including George. Uh, come on, man! Just, you know, do something. Make a record already. We'll help. <laughs> we'll we'll play on it. Just just go to the studio. And so I gave in, and uh, <laughs> there's that record. Wow. Now, how long have now, you been with Stanley I'm, Clark? I'm sorry, Mike. How, how long have you been with Stanley that, Clark? That, you know, wrestling is playing with Stanley, and, and you know he, he plays piano. But you actually, your first instrument was was the guitar. You started playing yeah, that he, at first. You see, you see, and we actually experimented with some of that stuff uh, with Stanley in the band as well, I think, at some point. Uh, my father is a guitar player, so basically whatever was around the house, as I I would, you know, play that. And it was, it was usually guitars, so that was, you know, I learned my first chords. 
I think I have since maybe learned two more chords, <laughs> but <laughs> not a whole lot. But I can still play somewhat, you know, decent guitar. And um, and, and I think I even played something on, on um, the record we did with Stanley a couple of years ago that we got the Grammy for. The first tune on the record was my original, and I, I'm playing guitar on it. <laughs> so, wow. So it's kind of helped. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Help. <laughs> you know, so it comes handy. Okay, um, Risa from the uh, just came into the chat room, and he or she says your number one yeah. fan from Fiji is tuning in from oh, Sydney, Australia. Cool. So awesome to hear you on the air. Oh, very cool. Welcome. Thanks uh, for being a part of this with us. This is awesome. Yeah. Wow. Fiji, and, cool. Yeah, and I have a couple of phone calls, so let's go to those. Um, area code five one five. Welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Hi, this is uh, Lawyer Mom Iowa is my Twitter name, and I had the pleasure of meeting Rosalyn during uh, Josh's concert. And I have a question. Is it different collaborating with musicians from other countries, or is music really a universal experience? You know, that's actually a great question. Uh, I think perhaps it's a little bit of both, because you certainly... You certainly feel people's culture when you collaborate musically. So, you know, there are, like, if you, for instance, to, to make it real, if you play, for instance, with, like, a salsa musician or with, like, a flamenco musician, um, you know, Latin American musician, like, they, you can really sense, for instance, like, the fire that they bring with, you know, that's in their culture. Mm-hmm. And so you see the difference. But at the same time, it's all done within a framework that, that we can all understand and relate to. So it's actually, it's really wonderful. It, it's kind of both. It, it's universal enough so that there's room for everyone, right? And everyone understands each other and everyone can collaborate with everyone on the one hand. And at the same time, it's open enough so that everyone can still be themselves and really bring that, what, you know, that which they're all about musically and culturally and emotionally bring that to the table. That's why music is so wonderful. It's, it, it is a universal lang- language, like you said, and you can collaborate with everyone, and it can work. And at the same time, there's room for everyone to be themselves without having to compromise much, you know, for the collaboration. So that's, yeah, I think so, that's, so it opens that's pretty great. For you, really. mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, well, thank and you. I, I'm so lucky. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for calling. All right, the next call, area code 310. Welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Hi. Hi, what's your name? This is uh, Kit Forever, and uh, I've seen and met uh, Rustlin on several occasions with the All That Echoes Tour, and let me tell you, he is just fabulous. He has a person about him that encompasses your body and soul and your piano. So, Rustlin, I am so so thrilled. To hear you on oh. the radio. Thank and you so your much. Music, uh, your music and to watch you perform is really an experience. And I think oh. uh, one of my most favorite compositions is Window Pace. I absolutely oh, wow. love that. Oh, um, wow. Thank you. The question yeah. I have is at what point in your young life did you decide on uh, this career? And what really influenced your writing style? You know, I guess one of one of the ways I feel I'm very fortunate and just straight up lucky is I never really like a lot of my friends have to you know I have a lot of talented friends and they have to really 
sometimes sit and, and make decisions about their career. Like, what am I really going to do? When I, you know, how am I really going to pay the mortgage and my cell phone? Uh, I never really had to make this decision. Um, I think there is a certain group of people, artists, for whom it's never a question. It was never a matter of decision for me. It, it was something I never dealt with. Only when I became, when I got a little older and I started having friends who, who dealt with these questions of career, that I even realized that this is a really serious question for people and that I never really had to deal with it ever in my life. It was always very obvious to me that I was going to be a musician in one way or another, whether playing stadiums or weddings or concert halls or restaurants, but I was going to be a musician no matter what. Mm. So that's kind of how it was for me. It was never a question. So, and I, again, I feel very, very lucky because, you know, a lot of people, you know, I, some of my close friends are really, really gifted in different areas, and they have to decide. I never really had to deal with that. To your second question, my writing style, what influenced my writing style? I don't know. I think, I think what happens, I think, you know, for musicians, is we, we, first and foremost, we, we are all first and foremost music fans. First, and you know, and we are music fans. We are such fans. The reason people start playing music, I think, or at least some of the best people people that I play with is because they were such fans of music. They just loved the way it sounded or they loved sounds of instruments and they or artists or specific songs on the radio or maybe their father's band, like happened my in my case. We are such fans of music that we just end up listening to a lot of music. And what what happens to that is it it, it goes in into your heart, it goes into your mind and something mysterious happens to, to that music, to those influences. It's kind of they kind of blend together with each other, and maybe they blend with your talent, or or something. But that kind of sh- a big part of what shaped my writing style is just all the music I was into. You see, as all the music I was into, and when you listen to music as a musician, you, you analyze. Okay, how does this? Why does this make me feel so good? Why does this chord make me feel so great? What What is so, you know, I can I feel so melancholic listening to this specific part of the song, or feel so uplifted? Feel so uplifted listening to that, and it's it's just this very intimate process you have with yourself, and eventually it translates into your writing language, into your playing language, you know, and eventually it finds it finds a kind of an interesting, unique way of you you, you can hear the influences, but they they're kind of altered. They are altered by my own personality, hopefully, <laughs> and by my own talent. So it's all the stuff uh, that I was into. And also, maybe, you know, whatever amount of talent I might have, you know, that well, well, you're, my writing, too. <laughs> you're very creative. I loved your music. And I wish you'd continued success. And, well, continued success forever. Terrific. You have, a lot, of, you have so a lot of fans out there. So good luck, Russell. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for calling. Definitely. Now, Uh, now, now, I've seen you. Weren't you in South Carolina with Jonathan Butler at the uh, jazz festival down there? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I saw you at. Yeah. That's right. Wow. That's another. That's another. What a this this guy. What an artist. 
yeah, yeah. 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 I really perform with and that was your first time performing performing with Sasha. Yeah, Jonathan imagine well. that. Here was the plan. He calls me up and he's like, Hey, you know, don't worry, we'll have sound check and we'll go over the songs during rehearsal, you know, the sound check. Nothing, none of that ever happened. We were they gave me the music. So, you know, sometimes festivals are really tricky because um there's a lot of acts and there's a lot of people trying to, you know, sound check. So we didn't have a sound check or rehearsal. We just went on stage and started playing. I think that's what you saw. It was really kind of miraculous because, you know, talk about, I think one of the questions was about universal language. Boy, talk about universal language. We just, mm-hmm. I felt like we played together, you know, our whole lives. And in a way we did, even with because we loved so much of the same music and we loved so much of the same, you know, stuff. And I know his music as a fan, and so when we ended up on the same stage, it kind of just, I, th- I thought it really worked, and, you know, after the show, we hugged, and we're like, wow, man, this is so great. And yeah, I think yeah, we were all a couple. He is so so easy to work with, too. He's he's just such an open musician. He's like an open book. He just wants you to step in and do your thing. And, you know, that that's always so encouraging and, and freeing. And now, and I saw you here in Las Vegas um, with Stanley mm-hmm. Clark um, right. not long after we interviewed him. It was a couple of years ago um, mm-hmm. we had him on the show. And then right after that, I went to see you guys. I, and it was at, um, I believe it was at the Aliante Casino. Um, as well oh, yeah. As guys oh, wow. yeah. 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 Yeah, you guys are here a couple of times a year, so it was good seeing. And I had never seen Stanley before then, so I really wanted yeah. to go and, and see him and check him out and of watch course. him perform. So I enjoyed that show. How long have you been of with Stanley? Course. You know, it started. I think it's been on and off for a good eight years or so. Okay. Uh, it started, it's an interesting story, too. You know, a friend of mine who used to be in the band, to play violin, he's like, hey, why don't you send Stanley a tape? I think he's looking for someone to play with. So I sent him a tape, and I was, you know, I was really nervous, and I, I sent it overnight just to make sure he gets it as soon as possible. And um, I um, didn't hear from him for a day and two days, three days, a week, two weeks, three weeks, and I was like, well, you know, I think I blew it, you know. Maybe he didn't like my tape, and, you know, and then a month passed, and another month, and I was like, yeah, definitely, he would have already called me. I left my number, my email. And so I kind of, you know, kind of, got over it and I was like well I guess it didn't work you know I'm just going to practice harder and then about 10 months later <laughs> 10 months uh, my phone exactly I, little did I know I learned later working with Stanley and with a, a lot of other artists these people's lives are um, planned about 10 to 12 months ahead if not more sometimes more I didn't know that you see so um to me, it was a. He called me ten months later, like, "Hey, man, I loved your tape. It was really nice. Why don't you fly out to LA so we could play, um, and and we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if it feels right." Wow. And I was thrilled, of course. I was really excited, and then I flew out, and we hung out at his house, and we played, and we talked about music, and listened to records, and and um, and there was a beginning, you know, of a relationship that several years later. Kind of at, at this point, you know, I don't even see him so much as my employer when we work. He's just like kind of my second fa- father to me in this uh, in this country, you know. And he met my dad several times, and they had this conversation too. Stanley kind of became like my uh, literally like my second dad. You know, I came to this country all by myself, 
Mm-hmm. He's wow. just that kind of person. He's just that yeah. kind of person that if if he lets you in, if you're if you're in, you're in. You know, if you're in, you're in. And, uh, so okay. he really changed my life in many ways. And he really changed my life in many ways. That's so cool. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you as well, you know, because, you know, you, you were born in the Ukraine. You yeah. Came, you moved to Israel in, when you were 10. And uh, yeah. so at 16, you, you uh, started the band um, Confusion. Now oh, you moved God. to the U.S. and you, you started to study at Berkeley. But when did you become in, enthused with R&B and funk music and everything? Because you played with, like, Neo, Irby yeah. you know, Dennis Chambers yeah, yeah, and Rochelle yeah. Farrell. So when did, when did that love for R&B and funk music become come out? You know, I, I uh, interesting... I would. I usually answer this question. I get asked this in interviews. I usually answer that it happened around 2001, 2002. But that's actually not true. If I thought about it, and I was always into it. Like we had MTV, we had MTV uh, in Israel, cable television, and I was oh. always into like Boys to Men and like uh, Tony Braxton. I was always into that stuff. I always listened to it and really loved it. And then when I finally moved to the states. Uh, this was this was where um, this was where you know this is where this music is. So I I got so much closer. Berkeley College of Music has so many vocalists and so many instrumentalists that are you know come from gospel music, right? And R and B. You don't have to go far when you're in Berkeley to get exposed to this music very very closely. And so for a while, I um I I was predominantly playing this this kind of music. I was playing with gospel artists. I was playing at churches. I was playing, um, you know, this, there's a place in Boston that's really, really unique and special. I think everyone that, that's in Boston is a musician knows. It's called the Wally's Jazz Cafe. And pretty much everyone that's anyone had gone through that place uh, playing. It's like musicians cut their teeth there and get better. So I played a lot of R&B and funk in that place several times a week, you know, sitting and playing under some musicians that I, you know, still consider some of the best, you know, guys I ever played with. So that was, Boston really kind of opened the doors for me, you know, for that kind of music, and I really fell in love with gospel music and with R&B and funk, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. I've been playing it ever since. Mm, okay. Um, I have a couple of questions from the chat room, and then we just got another okay. phone call. But let me take uh, oh, give cool. you these questions from the chat room. Cornelia, okay. Russ, is there a venue or an event in the world you dream of playing in? Wow. Yeah. Uh, look, I was lucky enough pretty much to, to, to cross quite a few off that list for myself. But That's I think good. there's a couple still still left. I think Olympia would be really nice. I don't think I've ever played there. And, of course, you know, at the risk of boring all of you with the cliché, uh, I would love to play at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> but, then, but then again, so would everybody else. <laughs> but, you know, but, yeah, I would definitely love to play there. That's, that's the one room that, you know, it just it's, I've seen several concerts there, and it just has it's something about that room that's just so magical and so mm. and so much great music has been made in Carnegie Hall and Olympia as well. And those two probably are still on the list that I have to cross off, and hopefully I will at some point. <laughs> okay. Marta would like to know, um, hi, Ruslan. I'm writing from Poland, Warsaw. I had a okay. pleasure to meet you after Josh, Josh Groban's concert in Berlin oh, last yeah. year. 
Poland is famous for many jazz concerts. Do you plan to come to Poland to take part in any concert if you have a chance? Are you kidding me? Of course, I'll go tomorrow. <laughs> I think I think one of the things that that you know artists you know have to deal with a lot is the whole organizational side of things. You know, because we sort of grow up playing music and creating music, and and you know we we are loved for doing that. We move people's uh, hearts by doing this, but a lot of times when it comes to actually making, you know, concerts and dealing with seats and tickets and airplane flights and hotels and fees, that's something that is an entirely different, you know, spectrum, an entirely different line of work almost. I would love to come play in Poland. But I, I'm very much looking forward to an opportunity to do so. I guess I would just have to establish some relationships with maybe concert promoters over there or some festivals, and I know there's many because even back in Soviet Union in the 80s when you know when we were still there and my dad was a musician there was a big jazz scene in in Poland already then in the Soviet times you know so I can only imagine that you know today there must be so much jazz music over there and musicians and festivals and, and concerts and events yeah. I would be delighted to participate and go there and, and do a tour or a concert it'd be great Wow. Well, thank you, Cornelia and Marta, for your questions. Thank you very much. All right, area code 209, welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Hi, my name Hello. is Dawn. Hello. Hi, Dawn. Um, my Twitter name is Sunshine Raise Me, and I first seen Reslin on one of Josh's concerts, and ever since then I listen to his music and other instrumental music when I write, and I was just wanting to know is, Rosalind, do you listen to any um, certain type of music when you write your songs? Well, you know, um, I, first of all, yes, of course. Um, I listen, at this point, at, at this point in my life, I have listened to more music, probably and different genres of music than most people you'll ever meet. And not just me, like any musician, you know, any musician who was really serious into music. We listen to so much music. I, and you'd be surprised the kind of stuff I get into these days and these years because the, in terms of like musical styles and genres, because the deeper my relationship gets with music, right, over the years, the more kind of, music opens itself up to me in a way. So I I start being able to understand the message behind this kind of music or the emotion behind that kind of music, be it pop music or electronic music or folk music. The the deeper my relationship gets with sounds and intervals and chords and rhythms, um, the more different kinds of music become accessible and interesting to me. Um... So yes, I listen to music all the time as a as a way of as a way of life, and then I also write from time to time. You know, <laughs> so it's kind of an ongoing process. And you know how like how like songwriters always write lyrics. Like you know, if you if you have friends that are songwriters, they are always yeah. like they'll be having coffee and they're like, oh hold on hold on, I gotta write this down. And so mm-hmm. it's an ongoing thing. So for us musicians, consumption of music and output of music it's just an ongoing you know i'm always sitting on like a couple of albums that i haven't gotten to yet that i really want to check out 
There's always mm-hmm. a couple of those on the list, no matter what, no matter when. And I'm always sitting on like three, four songs that I need to finish uh, writing. Always. At every at any given point, I have unfinished work, and then I catch I play catch with myself. I finish two, and by then I have one more that I have to work on. Now that one's unfinished. So music going in and music coming out is, is, is a consistent, it's just a constant, it's a, it's a way of life. Um, it's a lifestyle kind of thing, you know? Wow. Good, good. Yeah. Well, thank you, Don. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank You're welcome. Bye. Oh, bye-bye. All right, well, let's get bye. to some of the music. Um, I do have another question in the chat room, and Risa, I'm mm-hmm. going to get to your question after we get uh, play this song. I'm going to start with Sister Moon. Tell me about this one. Oh, yeah. Um, basically, you know, it's one of those songs. I'm a big Sting fan. I think Sting is great, and he wrote some awesome songs. And, you know, as an artist, as, as an artist, as a, as a producer, I guess, as, as a Every now and then you run into songs, and the song, you listen to it, and it just screams at you, like, I, please arrange me for strings and orchestra, please, please, like, it's just a song that was asking for, for this arrangement, and at least in my mind, I heard it, and like, I have to do it, this song would sound so good if I gave it this little twist, um, and, you know, who, and then I had to get a singer, and who better than a good friend of mine, uh, Trevor Wesley, who was a fantastic, fantastic vocalist, who really kind of drove the song and, you know, really put, you know, life into the arrangement. Because, you know, when you sit, it's something about collaborations, I have to say, too, when you sit and you make a, a song or you arrange or produce, when you bring it to another person, like in this case, the vocalist Trevor Wesley sang it, it also becomes, like, he made the song be a whole other way altogether. All you know, all of a sudden, it just started sounding even better than I kind of hoped it would. So okay. it was a real a surprise, you know. The song was asking for this kind of arrangement in my mind, and then Trevor came and just, you know, blew the roof off of it. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with kind of what came out of it. All right, this is Sister Moon. I'm a stranger to the sun 
That was Sister Moon from the self-titled CD by Rustlin Sirota. Um, it is his debut project. And you can find that on his website, rustlinpiano.com. Um, you can also follow him on Twitter under the same name, Rustlin Piano. And speaking of Twitter, um, there is a Twitter account, Rustlin Sirota's Hair, that says oh, I am Rustlin Sirota's <laughs> actual hair. What is that about? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, <laughs> You know, it's just, I guess, I mean, I guess my hair became some kind of a thing because it's, I, it's really, I don't know, I never know what to say because I just have the craziest, most hilarious fans ever. And what this means, <laughs> I have the most hysterical, funny, awesome fans. And so someone, I guess, figured that my hair is worthy of having its own voice and, uh, I guess now it does. I, I think there's been a couple more. I think there's been Russell's hands or Russell's uh, other body parts. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, uh, it's really, really awesome. I, I don't know. It's really entertaining. I feel really fortunate to do that. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. That is hilarious. Um, if you would like to follow that a Twitter account, it's um, Ru- Hair Rustlin <laughs> Sir. <laughs> you want to follow that Twitter account. That is funny. Well, fantastic. Great. That's just great. <laughs> okay. Um, I, know, I have another question from the chat room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Risa, Risa would like to know, if you had a chance to converse in notes and melodies instead of words, would you? Would I? Uh, yeah. First of all, of course. And I think, um, oh, it's like all together instead. If I could, you know, maybe that would be not that, not not bad, not a bad idea. I think uh, there'd be a lot less disagreements in the world if people did that. If we all uh, 
kind of switched language uh, from um, from semantics to music and notes. Would I do that all together? Would I? I don't know. That's a tough question. I love words. <laughs> I love conversations <laughs> and debates and and. Um, Oh man, but I also love. I think music kind of saves me from because I'm such I'm such a language person and I'm such a you know a debate person and, and I think music really kind of you know saves me being able to express myself through music and exchange uh, ideas through music really saves me from kind of my own mind and my own head. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would do that. And I think I'm going to do that hopefully sometime really soon. <laughs> because okay. Of, you know, absolutely. All right. Cornelia would like to know, talking about fans, how was your birthday cake you got from them? Oh, God, it was awesome. We were in the middle of a tour, and, and these guys were just so, so cool. You know, it's a surprise, you know, on tour. On the one hand, you meet so many people, right, and it's so social and it's so... Uh, it's like the most social, the most not lonely experience. Or on the other hand, it can get very lonely because of, you know it's, it's such stimulation and overstimulation and all these handshakes and autographs and, and pictures and crowds and applause. And yeah, if it's a lot of people and they like you, but it, it's not. It's very often it's not very personal. And so on my birthday, uh, that was a really really great example of, of you know that was a really almost kind of a healing experience because I really felt, you know, you don't hope for, you know, a birthday party on the road. Um, oh, even if you have a birthday, most of us, you know, musicians celebrate birthdays on tour. We pretty much celebrate everything on tour because we, <laughs> we live there. But mm-hmm. this birthday, this past birthday, a couple months ago, it was just so amazing. I was so moved and, and, and so touched by the attention and by the love of all these, you know, folks showed up and it was a birthday cake and a party and pictures and and everyone was, it was a real personal experience, you know, it was a real personal experience in the midst of all of this craziness on tour, in the midst of all of this kind of, you know, over, we we're all saturated with fans and, and sounds and songs and, and applause, not, none of that, and it's great, but none of that is really like heart to heart, you know, but right. this... Or it is on the musical. We touch people's lives, and you know, we touch people's hearts, and we appreciate you know their love and attention. But it's not you know, it's not like having a birthday cake in the middle of a tour with your name on it, with a bunch of people that actually care and send in cards and gifts and and wow, it was really really moving experience. I I really you know wish more people could could have one of those, and I feel really really lucky um, you know to have these people on my side. Well, I have to tell you that uh, the chat room, there are 25 people in the chat room, so you have oh, some, a lot of fans um, tuning That's in, cool. and I just got two more phone calls um, as well, and um, so I'm going to take a phone call. Um, area code 760, welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Hello? Hi, what's your name? Is that me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh, okay. My name's Marie, and... Uh, Wanted to say hi to Ruslan. He's such a great piano player. I mm. uh, had a question for him. Uh, let's okay. see, Ruslan. When you are out on a long tour with arranged tunes, how mm-hmm. do you keep focused and not mess up after you've played the same song so many times? Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. a really good, good question. question. 
Well, first of all, I, I never said I don't mess up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, second of all, when I mess up, I know, you know, we usually, if, if we have messed up, if I mess up, we kind of sort of know how to mess up, if that makes any sense. <laughs> okay. We know how to mess up, and it will be that, that you, you are very unlikely to, to catch it. Um, and, and, but that, that's besides the point. Obviously, the you know the spirit of your question it, it, it pretends to to how do we keep it fresh and look you can it's a challenge it's a challenge it, it, it's a challenge it's the same as for instance if you're a teacher and you teach second grade and you know you have to teach the same material all over and over again and mm-hmm. you know the students are the same age and they never know the material when they show up and you have to teach it to them years ago you have to find ways of interpreting it again and again for yourself and being creative in it. And some, you know, depends on the artist, if it's my project or if it's someone else's. I work with so many different artists and with different artists, there is a different amount of, say, room for creativity, right, or, or interpretation. Some of the artists, all I do up there is create. Some of the artists, all I do is interpret the part some of the artists, it's somewhere in the middle between the, those two extremes. So it also depends who it's with. But even on the most kind of, you know, unlike a gig where it's all parts and all arranged tunes, like you said, I still find ways to kind of interpret it. And, you, and it also helps having musicians around you that are into that. For instance, like this year, I, I did a tour with, with, with a wonderful singer, uh, Josh, Josh Groban. And so the whole band, you know, we talk about that a lot. They're like, so how do we keep it fresh? How do we, what do we do? So we get into really small subtleties of the music and dynamics and articulations and little little details that are that are so interesting to us. And you can reinterpret the music in a new way. And um, you know, every night again and again, you can interpret it in a different way. Hopefully, you know, every night. And sometimes, and listen, it doesn't always work. I won't sit here and tell you that, listen, it, it feels, every night it feels just as fresh as it felt uh-huh. on the third concert. No, of course it doesn't. But, yeah. but if you tilt your mind properly and if you kind of come to it, with a, you can come from such an approach where it will feel fresh. It can be, and it happened to me many times, where it's concert number 67 of the tour we've played 66 concerts of the same music. And the concert number 67, for some reason, felt so fresh. And why? Because it's a, it's a mind game. It's, you have to kind of, you know, you have to find your creative space within the pieces, within the music. And when it works, it works. When it works, it, it, it makes you, the music feel fresh again and again and again and again. And does, does it always work? No. It doesn't always work. But, but that's the game we play with ourselves. It's almost like meditation for us. That's, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. That's a, we try to keep keep it fresh for ourselves all the time, and and a lot of times it works, and, and, and you know, and sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> and the little nuances is what you're saying yes, too. that's exactly yes. that's exactly that's a big part too, and it, you know, and we talk about it, uh, you know, on the tour bus, and we say, oh, I'll, I tried this today, like, oh yeah, I heard that was really cool, man, that was great, and we listen to each other really carefully, so I know there's an ear. I'm, I'm doing it for myself, and my bandmates can maybe you know also tell the difference of something I'm trying to implement and something I'm trying to do. 
Okay. Um, All right. So thank you, you know. very much. Thank, thank you, you for the Good luck on your right. career. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. All right, area code five six one. Welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Oh, hi. Um, I'm Stacy. I'm Pet Rescuer on Twitter. Uh, hi, Rosalyn. How you doing? Hey. How's it going? I was one of those who was at Wolf Trap and Pittsburgh and at your party. And the one thing, the common thread that the fans talked about afterwards was we felt that we finally got the message across to you guys. We weren't there just for Josh. We were there for the music. I know. That's awesome. We got to talk to you guys a little bit about your music, and we're following mm-hmm. you and Daniel and Christian. And That's so how cool. Did, did we get that across to you guys? I think so. Look, I mean, I think maybe we should fill the, you know, some of the, the listeners in on the context of this. Oh, so what happens is, 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 a, is this year I did a tour with Josh Groban, and to my surprise, to my surprise, you know, I had fans, um, I released music before that, and people had bought records and, and came to the shows. But to my surprise, his following and his fans are, you know, they were really, really, a lot, a lot of you guys were really kind of musically curious and open, you know, for other stuff. And so my own fan club kind of grew because of that. And, it's, it's, you know, I played for a lot of artists. It, it doesn't often, but sometimes it happens. I think in, in case with Josh, it really happened big time. A lot of people, like literally, like crossed over. Like a lot of my fans I met mm-hmm. because of this tour, and and it, I, it's really really special. Listen, it doesn't happen every day. You know, we don't take it for granted, and and you know, it, it takes a certain kind of crowd. You know, it takes a certain kind of crowd to be able to you know, to do that and to want to do that and to be open enough to do that and. And you know, and then log into the chat room or make a phone call. And yeah, you definitely uh-huh. get your message across. <laughs> and I, and I really, really, really appreciate it. And I, I feel really privileged that it, you know, it's not every day that these kinds of things happen. You know, to artists. And uh, you know, in turn, I promise to make a lot more music <laughs> for you guys <laughs> and, and release it very, very soon. It's in the works as we speak. Well, no, we are dying to hear it, and we are willing to go coast to coast. So, oh my God, we'll just we'll just keep our eyes out for it. Take care. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, Stacy. Really Bye. Bye bye. Okay, I have. I know you have. A, listen, you have some wonderful fans out there. And I know. I, I, I wow, it's crazy. It's like I don't know what I've done to deserve it. I, that's <laughs> I, it's just so it's overwhelming, really. Um, I have a question for you from Twitter, uh, from Pamela. Um, she wants to know. Um, she wants to know how you feel. Uh, let me just read this. I uh, want to know how he feels that he has helped me with my battle with cancer through the pain with his music and the impact he oh, has had. Oh man! Wow. Yeah. It's that's. Uh, what do you say to that? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. What do you say? So that, you know, that, music. That, your music it, touches it really, a lot of people. I I got a couple of those letters from 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 fans and some gentleman that had our surgery and now this tweet and mm. uh, boy, if there is if there is a good purpose for this somewhat of a self indulgent process that we go through as artists, if there is a good purpose for it at all, 
this is it. <laughs> this is the purpose. I, I'm so, I'm so moved. I really, you know, they say once you release a piece of music, it, it's on its own. It has a life of its own, and it's going to perform its own miracles and do its own work independently yeah. from you. And I think this is kind of what I did. I did my part, and I released the music. And, and to my amaze, amazement, I was, I discovered that people not only like it, but that it helps them with some of their most, you know, serious and most difficult battles. I, I, I must sound nervous right now as I'm talking because I am. This is, mm. this is just crazy. <laughs> I, I, I'm so shocked that I was able to do something and release something that would make such a difference for the person. And, and, and I am really honored and, and thank you for letting me contribute in, in, in this small way. And, uh, and I, you know, this thank is you probably the, the best compliment the artist can get. Yeah. Thank you, Pamela. Like yeah, thank wow. you. Okay. Now, I wanted to ask you as well, Russell, you know, in addition, I said you, your music touched so many people, but you're also a board member of the Magic Music Foundation. Uh, yeah. Can you explain what the, to the people what that is and what you guys yes, do? It's a, yes, that, that's right. They, they contacted me some years back. Basically, this was an effort to, you know, when the government programs start cutting money and budget, one of the first mm-hmm. things to go is, is music classes and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, instruments don't end up being in children's hands and, and people stop getting this education because somehow culturally, we, I guess, we deem it less important than other things. So when budgets are cut, those are the things that go first. Uh, this organization, these guys were basically they raise money and they put instruments back into kids' hands and and you know and donate funds from you know to, to keep music programs going in uh, parts of Los Angeles and public education system. So I think that's a great yeah. If I can help with something like that, God, I always will. You know, that's I was really lucky to have music education. You know. Every, in high school and before high school, and it was really great. And I think even when people don't end up being professional musicians, um, still, um, it's such a, it, it, it just nourishes, you know, the mind and, and, and the heart and young children. It's so important, you know, for them to be exposed to this stuff, even if they don't end up doing it professionally. It just becomes this special place for them in their lives, you know, this relationship with music, and only good comes out of it. And not just that, but there's been, you know, scientific research done, like a massive scale, that children who deal, you know, with music and or play music, it, it it actually supports, it encourages cognitive development, emotional development, uh, cooperation skills, all of those things that that come that are requ- that are requirements for uh, making music, and it's really really great for kids, you know, to come in contact with all that stuff. Because um, it just helps with development on so many levels. So I help, you know, if I can't help, I help. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll keep it going. Good, good. Now, we have uh, less than 10 minutes left, and I want to kind of Mm -hmm. talk a a little bit about your next project, because there's a question in Mm -hmm. the chat room for that. So tell us about the next project. Yeah, look, it's, it's all, it's all, one big project for me. I just, you know, I have more music accumulated and I'm going to release it. (laughs) 
So okay. uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, I'm already working on, on a lot of it. I'm already arranging and doing pre-production on a lot of it. There's going to be some guests, and I'm not going to give all the cards away just yet. A lot of it is in the works. If you like the first record, you're going to like the second record, is what I can say, you know, to fans. If, if you like the, the sound of the first one, I think my next record is going to be actually more focused and more, like, I feel more mature as an artist. I feel more... Uh, like I found more of a direction and more of a focus, you know, the first record is always, you know, you just get it out there, all this music you have in you, and, you know, you get it out there and it's great and hopefully people like it. Uh, the second one, I'm going to be a little bit more precise in, in, in my aiming, so to speak, in terms of genre, in terms of style. Um, so, you know, I had to take a little time to think those things through and listen to the first record and you know, talk to friends and musicians and producers and I think this next one is going to be, I'm, I think it's going to be great. I've already wrote most of the music for it, and I'm getting the people together, and we're kind of rallying the troops, and I think it's going to be awesome. Okay. Well, we'd be happy to have you back there. on once that's released. Oh, terrific. I'd love to be back with you guys. This is great. Okay. Absolutely. All right, I would like to read something before I let you go. Um, Ruslan mm-hmm. is becoming a recognizable force in the music world. He is one of the few musicians I'm aware of that knows a thousand songs. He has a unique <laughs> understanding of the jazz language, and that was from Stanley Clark. Yeah, yeah, Stanley, <laughs> man. <laughs> That's, uh, well, probably we probably played a thousand songs by now. <laughs> Me and him. It's been so much. Yeah, look. Stanley, I mean, the very few people know me as, as deeply as he does. He's seen me grow in, in so many ways, and he's been there for me through my life events, you know, and for my personal life and my professional life. But, you know, it's, it's a real honor to hear him say that. You know, and I think he said that in a magazine or something in some interview. That was that was really, that was, you know, I owe him, you know, the, the honor that it you know, gives me, that you know, to hear this is probably the least that I owe him. You know, he's done so okay. much for me in, in so many ways and helped me in so many ways. I, I am forever pretty much in debt to that guy, and uh, you know, I love him really dearly. And it was, you know, I'm pretty much like a family member there at this point. All right. Um, I wanted to let you know that Grammy underscore one from Canada is listening in, mm-hmm. um, just so mm-hmm. you know that. And um, oh. again, wow, just thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to speak with you. This has been a real treat. Thank you, thank you, Sammy. Thank you so much. And I look forward uh, to seeing you on the road as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Where are you headed next? You know, it's been such a crazy year. I'm going to stay in town for a little bit and finish my album. I'm not, okay. I have to do that because that's a musician's cycle. You go out, you play, you go in, and you create, and you go out and play it and go back in. So I'm going to stay for a while. I'm going to stay in Los Angeles for a while and finish the record and finish Stanley's record that we're, we're doing also at the same time. And okay. then, you know, I don't know where and when, but it always happens. I'm always somewhere. I always end up being somewhere for something. So rest assured. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Russlin. Um It has been a pleasure speaking with you. You have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. Okay. That was Russlin Soroto. Um, his CD is self-titled. It's called Rustlin. You can find it on Amazon. Um, visit his website, rustlinpiano.com and follow him on Twitter under the same name. You can also find him on Facebook under Rustlin Music. Thank you for that, Liz. 
um, as well. So definitely check him out and uh, give him a listen. Again, it's a self-titled CD. It's called Rustlin'. All right, thank you to all of those of you in the chat room, Liz, Marta, Risa, Cornelia. Thank you guys for tuning in from all over the world, Australia, um, Poland, Warsaw, France. Thank you so much, Canada. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. All right, Mike, I'm going to let you go because I know you are watching the football game. And uh, I'm looking forward to this next game, Seattle and the 49ers. Even though I don't watch it, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, so, Mike, real quick, tell me about the concert last night. Uh, the concert was great, Terry. Uh, like I said, the concert featured uh, international saxophonist Jarrett, who was a tripping and rhythm artist. He was the headliner. Uh, it had uh, featured a young lady on the violin named Chelsea Green on the electric violin and guitarist David P. Stevens out of Philadelphia. It was a great show, Terry. I mean, David came on and did his thing and, and really, you know, enthused the crowd with his sound and everything and made, made a lot of new fans. Uh, Chelsea Green, I met her in Virginia with Alvin Kills um, at one of his events, but I didn't get the chance to see her play. I missed her. Mm-hmm. But to, but last night I saw her play. Oh, my God, she was awesome. I mean, I'm talking about Karen Briggs, um, uh, uh, Regina Carter. This young girl is the next in line to be one of the uh, you know premier uh, electric violinists out there on the, on the smooth jazz scene. She was phenomenal. I mean, just awesome. But um, she really, really, you know, lit up the whole show. And then, of course, Jared, uh, you know, he came on and did his thing, and, you know, he lit it up as well. But it was a great show, very great show. So a lot of these new artists, you guys have to look out for it. And uh, when they come to your town, please just go to support them because you never know. You'll, you'll become their next fan, and they'll become your favorite artist after that. Mm-hmm. All right, good, good. All right, you've been listening to Talking Smooth Jazz with your host, the Jazz Queen. And Mike Reynolds. And we look forward to talking smooth jazz with you again next time. Until then, keep it smooth. Thank you for listening to Talking Smooth Jazz. Please visit our websites, TalkingSmoothJazz.com and Mastermind-Entertainment.com. Join our Facebook fan and group pages and follow us on Twitter at Jazz underscore Queen and The Daily Grind. That's T-H-A Daily Grind.